do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. This show is one in which I will talk of all the media I have consumed. Why would I do such a thing? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I do it because my theory, which is still a work in progress as most theories are, is that should I just consume the media and not expel it forth in some way, uh, it would slowly drive me insane. So I pour it forth to clear out the dusty attic of my mind. Uh, Should you listen to it? Well, that's one option. Should you not listen to it? You're not hearing this, so I don't know why I'm saying this. But the end result for me is the same. My hope is that you do, and you are. And you are, by definition, if you're hearing this. So I'm really uh, in a caught in a loop here now. So what I'm going to do is push a button that will start a series of five five-minute segments. Although one of them, if you listened to the last episode where I did a D&D recap of my most recent session, uh, I'll ha- I have another one of those. It's not quite as long as the last one, uh, I promise. So, you know, there's that. There's that. Ladies and gentlemen. you some things. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is John's Candy. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, movie the first, Shazam, and it would have been funny? No, but interesting if I had have placed some sort of lightning sound effect there. But I didn't, so leave me alone. Uh, Yeah, uh, you know what I think my problem with this movie is, and I do mean my problem, uh, I didn't hear anything bad about it. I heard lots of people say it was very, very funny even. Uh, so I went into it with very, very high hopes, which is always a recipe for disaster. One part high hopes, two, two parts everything else is dis- equals a delicious disaster cake. Uh, uh, that being said, it was a fine movie. Rating-wise, I'll just get it right off the bat. I'll, I'll go, go like a solid three and a half. Yeah, uh, if you're unfamiliar with my rating scale, 3 is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. And the potential for me to watch this again does exist, but it is not high, hence the 3.5. See what I did there. Uh, yeah, uh, it was good. I like a light-hearted uh, 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 superhero movie for sure, 100%, because these are ridiculous situations. Uh, Shazam in particular, if you're unfamiliar, it's a little kid who's in the body of a big superhero tough dude guy thing 
So, you know, that, that's got comedy all over it and in it. Uh, I did like uh, Zach, Zachary, yeah, Zachary Levi. He, he was great. Perfect Shazam. Um, wizard. You got a wizard in there. Lots of magic and stuff. Hey, you can't go wrong with a wizard in your movie. Just period. Uh, yeah, so. Mm. Uh, I'm curious. One, one thing that did sort of come up. Uh, from this uh, is will he be in any uh, Justice League related thing like I want to see Shazam uh, interacting with Batman just you know period full stop okay moving on to uh, movie the second Life Force from 1985 I forget how this came about um, or like how I heard of this movie was it how did this get made I, I don't really remember um yeah, this one was weird, and it's going to fall into the categories of movies where when the movie's <laughs> finished, I wasn't quite sure what happened. Uh, so, that makes it difficult to talk about. In fact, I think I have a few movies like that in this movie monologue, uh, which is why I put five movies where I normally have four or three, because I figured ones like this, I won't have much to say. So, for that reason, Life Force from 1985, in which a race of space vampires arrives in London. Was, they were space vampires? Yeah, I guess they were. And infects the populace, beginning an apocalyptic descent into chaos. See, that sounds fucking awesome. It wasn't. I'm going to give it a two... Uh, minus. Yeah, less than two. Moving on to 1986. Oh, from 1985 to 1986, we have Raw Deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I thought I had seen all Arnold Schwarzenegger's 80s style action movies. Uh, this one I had not, and perhaps the reason I had not is because it's uh, it was definitely wasn't my favorite. Uh, on that rating, on that note, the rating hmm, is... Ah, geez, I'm going to go similar to Life Force. Which just kind of a, a blah... Uh, there was action-y stuff that I didn't really care about uh, by the end of the movie, so I'll likewise go two-ish. Two-ish. A former FBI agent turned small-town sheriff agrees to help the FBI chief infiltrate the Chicago Mafia when the FBI... Wow, they say FBI a lot in this. Chief's son is killed by them. FBI, FBI. Uh, yeah, that's the quote-unquote story. Uh, moving on to 1994, jumping some years ahead, Wagons East. Ah, finally a good movie. Although, panned by critics, I am quite sure, uh, this movie didn't do too well. I think it was John Candy's last movie, which is sad. Uh, basically, it's a Western comedy. Is, is If you want to boil it down into those two words, you could. Uh, in the 1816s, 1860s Wild West, when a ragged bunch of misfit settlers decide they cannot stand living in their current situation, they hire a grizzled cowboy, John Candy, to take them on a journey back to their hometowns east. Uh, yeah, so, funny, lots of uh, comedy names you will recognize. Uh, it is dumb, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, and, and John Candy, who, uh, a, a Canadian icon, if you will, and I hope you will. Uh, Rating-wise, 4+, plus for the reason I know this is a movie, every once in a while I'll dust off when I feel like uh, it's not the best John Candy movie by any means, but it, uh, it also has Richard Lewis, who I, uh, I'm a fan of, and, you know, it's a, it's a good, dumb, dumb flick. Okay, so... Uh, timer went off and uh which means we're out of time so i will do lying and stealing from 2019 quickly uh yeah this movie has emily radajowski in it so i watched it 
Hmm, don't tell my wife. Also named Emily. Oh, wow. How about that for a little behind the scenes? Uh, I normally only call her the Mrs. Coincidence that they're both named Emily? Yes. Uh, so it's kind of a heisty movie. Um, yeah, period, full stop. Uh, you know what? Uh, you, you, you probably... One... Let's, let me put it this way. One might go into this movie thinking that... Uh, uh, Emily Ratajewski, uh, incredibly beautiful woman, was not necessarily hired for her acting skills, but I got to say, uh, an admirable job, I would say. Uh, Rating-wise, I still am going to go with three, just because it does uh, sort of fit that very well. The uh, enjoyed while watching, but the the possibility of me watching Lying and Stealing again in the future uh, is, is is not high. But uh, but, but an, an admirable job. Uh, and the who's the main dude? Uh, sometimes they don't put the cast in order, and I'd like it if the, <laughs> on IMDb that is. Uh, oh wait, is it right at the top? Uh, no. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, the main guy was good as well. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, I can click on this. Theo James, Theo James. Uh, I don't know where I've seen him before, but uh, I, I think he's an actor where everything I've seen him in I've enjoyed, but he, he, he's definitely familiar. And, uh, you know, The Wedding Guest, why did I open that? Did I watch another one? Hmm. Okay, uh, yes, timer resuming. Today's television talk sponsor is a video game. Oh, well, that's a string. Striking Vipers. Finish him? Thank you for that sponsorship. In which we're talking television, hence the television talk. Yeah, that's how that works. Uh, uh, Black Mirror Season 5. Season is a strong word when it's only three episodes. Uh, I wonder why... I, is this a British... Is a, a Black Mirror a British television show? That would kind of explain. No, you know what? It's made on Netflix. Uh, yeah, anyways, it's three seasons. Uh, three seasons. Uh, three episodes of the season. Um, and, you know, that could be disappointing. Uh, but what is not disappointing is all of them are friggin' incredible. Yeah, I uh, love the show so much. Uh, you know what? When your complaint of a show is, is that there's not enough episodes, that's, that, that's a good complaint to have, I suppose. Uh, yeah, uh, it's the, the twists and turns in this, I, it's just like, oh geez, of the ones I've watched, and I've watched all four seasons, uh, some of these, maybe just because I just somewhat recently finished watching them, uh, really stick out in my mind, uh, uh, as being really good, uh, examples of this genre, if it is a genre, your, your Twilight zone uh, sort of twists and turns and not really knowing what's gonna happen, strange thing, that sort of, uh, genre uh so first and uh probably would it be most famous of these the striking vipers episode in which uh vr becomes so sophisticated uh where it feels 100 real it, it's sort of 
uh, hooking directly into your brain, which is worrisome. <laughs> uh, like all the problems I've had with, uh, like, cons cons okay, how, let's put it this way. Consider the, the old Xbox red ring of death. <laughs> now, if, if you have an Xbox that is going to periodically just die for no reason, uh, and then you're going to hook that up to your brain directly, I don't know if I would necessarily trust that. <laughs> uh, but that's what apparently is going to happen in the future, because all of these are real. Uh, and when you're in this uh, virtual reality, is it still very, very real virtual reality? Uh, all sensations you feel feel so very, very real, including of the sexual variety. So, should you choose to have sex in this virtual reality, even if you're just in a fighting game, which, uh, why did they give the fighters genitalia? I don't know. Uh, would it be uh, wrong? Uh, would it be weird? Would it be many questions <laughs> if you were to uh, be married and then uh, have sex in that game? Hmm. Okay, how about this? Th this is something I posit, these, these sort of two levels of this. If I were to go into that game and have sex with a uh, with the computer, basically. Uh, like, the computer created a character and I had sex with that character. Now, that is one level, but if I were to go into that uh, virtual reality and have sex with uh, someone who is controlling another character, uh, that strangely is a level above, I would argue, uh, of cheating on your significant other. Uh, not to mention the whole, uh, they're both guys and one of them's in a girl. You know, the, 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 there's that level as well. But I'm just talking that, that, that strange sort of headspace you get in of uh, levels of cheating due to, to due to technology it's like um, um masturbating to while watching porn or having sex with a sex doll see for example uh which is closer to uh cheating on your significant other uh or are they both the same in that they're not cheating questions questions shows like this uh, uh bring forth into your brain which is one of the reasons why i can easily give season five of uh, uh, Black Mirror, a five out of five. Some some cool six out of five moments, like in Smithereens. That one was pretty insane. Uh, the guy, uh, the 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 main dude from that, uh, uh, what is he? Uh, Moriarty from Sherlock did an incredible job. Uh, the last one uh, with uh, what's her name? Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus's uh, Miley Cyrus with a, she played a, a, a robot toy. I have a robot toy as well. <laughs> it doesn't uh, speak so much, but after seeing this episode, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just because of things. Ah, huh? look at that. I didn't spoil anything. Terrific. Anyways, watch all Black Mirrors, but uh, they stand alone too, so you could start with a season if you wanted to. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Today is not a book banter sponsor for the reason that uh, I mentioned this and I'll just mention it briefly uh, uh, this episode. Uh, the book I am reading is a compilation of three books. It's a over a thousand pages, so it uh, might be a little bit before I complete it, although it's so good I'm flying through it pretty good. Uh, so instead I have a burp for you first and then I have a double television talk. Yes. Yes. Uh, Fleabag, season one. Okay, so this for sure falls into the category of uh, uh, media, 
I'll just say media because it's usually uh, movies or television in which people on podcasts seemingly adore so much and every podcast I listen to, <laughs> like, I go in and, and someone mentions it uh, highly. Uh, so, and, and just around the internet, uh, the, the buzz of the show seems to be growing and growing, which uh, is interesting. I just see uh, it came out in 2016. Uh, and just now, oh, season two is from 2019, so maybe that's why. Uh, anyways, uh, and I gotta say, never has the internet and podcast people I've heard mention a thing been more right, because this thing was so friggin' amazing. Uh, you will know, long-time listener, if such a person exists, that dark comedies are my jam, or as I like to say, my marmalade. Uh, so this very much falls into that category. Uh, so it stars, oh, you know what, I don't have, sometimes I open the wiki, and sometimes I open the, uh, uh, IMDb, and, uh, sometimes it's harder to find information depending on which source you go. Okay, so it stars, where is her name? Uh, Phoebe Mary Walter Bridge is an English actress. Oh, okay, so that's who it stars. Um, I don't know if I recognize her from stuff. I'm fairly certain I do. But one thing I do know her from was uh, back, uh, must have been years ago at this point, or some years ago, uh, not, not too long ago, uh, when they were deciding which uh, woman sh was going to uh, replace the uh, Peter Capaldi as Doctor Who. Uh, there was, like, the BBC posted something for suggestions, uh, or, or maybe it wasn't the BBC. Some site posted places where if you could pick a woman who you would want it to be. And uh, I remember submitting this girl's name because I had seen her on uh, stuff. I, I can't remember, like, panel shows or, 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 or other shows, and I submitted her name to be the next Doctor That didn't happen. And I'm happy with the current Doctor Who, but uh, uh, she just has a sort of uh, personality that I think would fit. Like, you could take her from Fleabag here and make her uh, a somewhat dark, disturbed Doctor Who, but there is often that in Doctor Who, the, the, the sort of... Oh, shit. <laughs> My robot. What the fuck? I don't know if you can... Probably can't hear that in the background, but that uh, robot, I've got a, a vector robot, and it just uh, came alive. <laughs> Which is weird, because it's not supposed to. Uh, unless you, like, talk to it. Okay, anyways, that's weird. Uh, back to Fleabag, season one. Uh, so it's this woman whose friend passed away. And episode one, it sort of starts where... Uh, it's a bit of a joke, uh, and, and she passed away in a sort of humorous circumstance... Uh, and, and this girl's just sort of living her life, uh, trying to find uh, love, uh, trying to interact with her family in sort of a not hateful way, it almost feels like. Uh, and, and, you know, just a woman living life. Um, but then it sort of develops over the course of the season that perhaps her relationship with the woman who cared for herself uh, was stronger than initially let on. And perhaps she's deep down hurting from that. And perhaps some of the strange... Uh, things she does over the course of the season can be explained by the mental state she's in. And it, man, it gets dark. And to the degree where, uh, in the final episode, uh, like literally, and, and, uh, you know what? When this happens, I, I always bring it back to the podcast, and I mean this in the, and say this in the quite literal sense that literally my jaw dropped when I found out what happened. I, I'm, I'm not going to give it away here. But 
uh, it's not often that a, sh sh a piece of media will have a physical effect on my face. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, five out of five. Can't wait for season two. Good stuff. Fleabag. Today's game, Gabin, is the Fairy Dragon Joke Shop. Thank you for that sponsorship in which I'm going to read the recap of Session 2 of the D&D uh, uh, &D group I somewhat recently joined, from my perspective, anyways, uh, as far as time goes. So um, if you're unfamiliar with these, if somehow you're a new listener jumping in at episode 496, is this? Uh, you're a weirdo and I like you, but uh, basically whenever I play d and I'll write a little recap. Uh, uh, in this new campaign I've joined, I've been doing it for the first time from the point of view of the character I'm playing, uh, Oxford Britannica, gnome wizard, <laughs> seeker of knowledge. Okay, so uh, session number two, the Cobalt Crisis continues. And you can't see this, but I spelt that all with K's. <laughs> Delightful. <clears throat> uh, dearest Alshinary, if I could live forever to fill your pages... Oh yeah, Alshinary is like my dictionary of all things, and I also use it as a sort of uh, journal diary. Uh, my character does. Uh, if I could live forever to fill your pages with all the world's knowledge, I would. It does not take a genius to realize that this is very unlikely, so when the inevitable happens, I want you to move on and find another. Equally, dearest whoever found this book, should you not wish to take up the mantle of this tome of all knowledge, all I ask is that you try to find someone who does. Uh, and that's how I'm going to start all of my entries. <clears throat> Again. A certain amount of death is inevitable <laughs> in this adventuring life. Of course, reverently burying those who pass with all possessions is an option, but the pragmatist in me that has helped me to reach this ripe old age long ago realized that bodies are basically empty husks, and since you can't take it with you, their possessions are often much more helpful for the living. Our Looting of kobolds is interrupted by an ungodly scream of some humanoid in distress, and upon a rushed investigation, we found either Millie or Billy, uh, dwarfs, dismembered by what is likely the Mama Owlbear, who was none too happy to have her child trapped in their trap. Uh, vacating the area with alacrity seems prudent, so I write a hasty note for Billy or... Millie, in the hopes he or she joins us in the relative safety of the forest temple. Uh, a quick check of the initial room by Nadrina does not reveal any traps. Just because traps are not revealed does not mean they are not present, of course, and a sizable rock fell from the main door onto Ushul's head. Big stone plus head is never a good situation, however, in this case it was a particularly bad, as the rock has been infused with the magic that turned him into stone. That was scary, because uh, I didn't know that it was not permanent. Uh, thankfully, the magic was not permanent. Uh, I took a small sample of this rock, making... 
rock. Oh yeah, this rock making rock for further study. Uh, speaking of study, I found many interesting and historically significant finds, including a mural depicting the fall of Mr. One, as I like to call her. In fact, in the garden just outside, we find a beautiful statue of Mistra. Uh, even more awe-inspiring is the fact that it appears to be talking to us. Uh, the awe piles on when it seemingly wants us to perform some sort of elaborate and very fun ceremony to reveal her secrets, as if... And if there's one thing I love, it is secrets revealed. Unfortunately, Noctis seemingly does not share the same love so stomps off the stopping turns into a bit of an issue when a yet unexplored area of the temple erupts with the noise of alerted kobolds tactics in warfare are very important but what is just as important is timing the tactic of attacking an enemy on multiple fronts is sound so ashul and myself creep to a rear door while noctis in his prodigious strength uh, and his prodigious strength managed to hold the door closed as the kobolds try to wrench it open. The issue of timing becomes, well, an issue. When Team A engages in battle, Team B, uh, before Team B, leaving them with some tense moments to themselves. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, we were dumb and that we didn't have a signal to win, uh, so we attack simultaneously. So uh, their team, I'm calling Team A, uh, sort of had a, a full round to deal with five kobolds uh, while we sort of just waited in our spot to <laughs> break down the door sort of thing. Uh, so that was an ideal, but uh, we didn't die. So, you know, uh, looking back on this, a message camp rip, cantrip I have at my distillery disposal could have signaled team a when we were in place but hindsight is 2020 yeah i have a cantrip <laughs> which is a uh, if you're unfamiliar with dnd a very low level spell where i could have literally said uh, okay we're in place let's attack and one person on team a would have heard it um and i didn't do that uh Getting up close and personal with five kobolds in this room pays off, and Team B shows up in time, that was me and Ashul, uh, to clean up the remnants, which is good. Less good is Ashul is nearly... <laughs> Less good is Ashul nearly being impaled by a ballista's projectile upon opening the door to the largest room of the temple. Further down the bad rabbit hole is a room with not only kobolds, but a flying version of their species, which... From my studies, I know can be quite a bit more troublesome. Made troublesomer, which is a word in the Alshinary, uh, by the fact that the gnome druid we are here to rescue is being violently coerced to cast spells on the kobolds, including one that gives the flying kobolds a toughened skin like bark. There's also a giant lizard, and it does not look too happy to see us either. So all in all, a terrific infight ensues, and thanks largely in part to our newfound friend Celise, basically throwing every weapon she had at the Flying Cobalt, we eventually win out the day and save the princess, or uh, Druid. Uh, yeah, uh, because the Cobalt was up high, and uh, our barbarian uh, uh, friend Celise didn't really have range weapons. She was like just taking out axes and like her freaking swords and spears and like basically everything she had on it. Like it was getting to the point where a, a couple more throws and she would be like throwing like, I don't know, like pots and pans or something. Uh, 
it is now that things get really interesting in the decrepit kitchen is a fairy dragon uh, i know a story of a fairy dragon named newt so i also know from his exploits they are deceptively powerful and although annoying to some are generally just on the lookout for shits and giggles to paraphrase uh yeah that mention of newt was from a forgotten realms book i forget what it's called something about moonwell it might have been called moonwell there was a, a series i read and spoke of on this very podcast in a previous book banter uh, so i thought i would just sort of connect dots because that's fun uh things are clicking into place uh the the being followed, our painted faces, the singing and dancing ritual, quote-unquote, all in good fun, and I at least enjoy a little chaos in my life, as when you live this long, you start to think you've seen it all. One thing I've never seen is a group of adventurers putting on an impromptu show for a fairy dragon. However, he has agreed to give us clues to the entrance of whatever powerful magic seems to exist below the temple. The show went off with several hitches but it did go off uh, i plan to take the show and flush it out with my younger students but the gist is yeah so uh basically we our characters in the game that we're pretending to be had to pretend to be characters in a play so it was like some inception level role play going on here uh which is uh was very fun it's, uh, i don't it's definitely not something i've ever done in D, &D which a few things in this session uh, fall under that category so that was fun uh but, 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 but let me give you the show us hitches um flush it out with the younger students uh but the gist is that an evil dwarf played by me uh chopped down a mushroom home played by ushul that was inhabited by a mouse uh, played by Nidrina, in order to turn the mushroom into a love potion to seduce the lovely paladin, played by Noctis, only to be foiled by the powerful barbarian, played by Selyse. The, re the reviews were in, at least from the fairy dragon, who told us that some force magic targeted at the statue of Mister is all that ne is needed to gain entrance. Fortunately, Nidrina picked up a boomerang-like weapon that appears to have just the properties we need so when she with noctis's help to hold her up touches the weapon to the statue's nose it slides back the statue not the nose revealing a descending staircase mm -hmm. the most obvious thing i noticed upon entering this sub temple level was the shining blue waterfall also it was flowing upwards which according to my chapter on waterfalls is not normal this also explains the pools of blue glowing water in the temple above, and it seems that this is actually the source of the kobold's seeming magic, mag seemingly magical magic addiction. I will admit that the description of this addiction had me worried. Uh, a sense I have learned to listen to, so I would do much not to have to touch it, including voluntelling young Nadrina to be bundled up in an oiled waterproof tarp while Celise gently tossed her through the water without getting wet. Uh, not gently enough for my liking, so I decided rather than be thrown, I would summon my unseen servant Belvedere and have him carry me across likewise wrapped snug as a bear bug in a rug it was then that the others noticed belvedere's passing blocked the upward flowing water so i had him lie down while they jumped across lovely uh yeah uh, i have a spell which uh 
basically creates an invisible servant to help me. He can't really do much, like uh, carry, clean, walk. Like he is sort of butler-like in some regards. And he, he can't talk. He doesn't really have a mind. He's he's very weak. Uh, one hit and he's dead. Uh, I, I could summon him back, but you know. Uh, so I decided to name him Belvedere, like Mr. Belvedere. Anyways. Uh, on the other side of the waterfall, we are greeted, not literally, by a door, three ornate buttons, and a riddle. The riddle is in dwarfish, and when I read it for the others, I see the telltale flicker of ideas clicking in Ushul's mind, and without hesitation, he pushes the buttons in the correct order, an order based on both the chronological events surrounding the spell plague, see chapter 42 of my notes, and Alshanary entries from that troubled time. Yeah, because uh, we sort of found out because I'm 499 years old in the game, I was actually alive during the spell plague, so that's uh, kind of cool. As well as corresponding those events to the pictographs on the buttons. I will admit my curiosity at what would happen had we pressed the buttons in the wrong order is strong. Perhaps some experimentation is needed. Ooh, buttons. Uh, the ornate stone door slides open to reveal a sizable room with an equally sizable guardian. Attempts to converse are rebuffed, and a battle is once more joined. The appendages of whatever it is, I will have to check my notes at home, are invisible and perhaps insubstantial, but his massive sword and shield are neither. Uh, at first, I was not overly worried about some of the beefier members of our team handling themselves, but when this construct cast a spell immediately putting Ushul and Nadrina to sleep, then blocked the door meaning getting into the room to wake them would be difficult to the say the least uh i was truly worried yeah that was uh very <laughs> basically our party was split in two uh half in the room half out uh, and the half in the room were uh, asleep and if you're unfamiliar with the sleep spell uh you can wake them but you need to sort of go over and like jostle them and we couldn't get by this guy to do so so uh the other thing of D, &D if you're not familiar with this the smaller your party the less the, the the more likely you are to die which is why uh, uh splitting the party is never a good idea Anyways, uh, if only some sort of invisible force was in the room with them. Yes, my unseen servant just happened to be in the room because I sort of sent it ahead in the hopes that maybe it would, I don't know, set off tra traps or, or things of that nature. So I used it to open up, uh, to, to slap around and wake up uh, uh, Ushul, who then in turn woke up. Nadrina. Uh, Belvedere, the unseen servant, may be weak and not really have a mind in the traditional sense, but he can at the very least throw a few weak slaps at a shul's face, waking him. He in turn wakes Nadrina, and suddenly this monster is surrounded. Perhaps sensing his doom, a wild swing lodges his sword or axe, I can't remember, in the door, allowing the rest of a... Uh, of us to eventually batter him down with mighty blows. I even got one of my weighted quills in there. Oh yeah, one thing I like to do uh, is sort of flavor my weapons. So uh, I, I throw darts, which uh, in D&D terms are like sort of heavy. They kind of look like actual darts, um, but but heavier and weightier and, and do more damage than if you were to hit by like a dart that you would throw at a dartboard. Uh, so instead of just that description, I turn them into quills since my character uh, is big on, you know, the writing and such, uh, librarian type. So, uh, you know, just a little flavor. 
Uh, further investigation of this room is needed. In fact, the whole temple could use a good looking over, but one find I am excited to share with others are seven bracelets which allow us to grow stronger as a team by taking the burden of damage from another in time of great need. We should perhaps attune to these tonight. It's been a tough day, and with the druid asleep already, she will likely not be up for traveling back to Miller's Hill until the morning anyway. Uh, especially with an owlbear on the loose nearby, we will want to be at full strength. I will say that all, that all the excitement of this day seems to have jarred something loose in my mind. Fairy dragons are famous for having very strong personalities, and perhaps I could convince it to help me imbue the desk with a sentience of its own. At the very least, I have yet to show the group the progress I have made in the junk drawer. So... I should do that tonight as well, just to make sure there are no accidents. Yeah, basically, I uh, I think I went over this last time, but just to give you a brief, my character has a, uh, a desk that, uh, it's like a roll-top desk that he can sit at that sort of walks around as if it's like a, kind of like the others have horses to ride on, but I ride on a desk. Um, so uh, the, the DM has uh, wanted to make it sort of sentience, so it can talk and, uh, you know, get a little interaction going there. Also, I created a junk drawer because, you know, every desk has a junk drawer, right? Uh, and I made a mechanic for that where uh, you sort of say what you need and reach in. And you might get it, but then again, you might not. So I made a, a random D100 table of things that might come out, uh, up to and including monsters might pop out. Uh, you might pull out what you need, but maybe it's made of dirt, you know, things of that nature. If anyone wants, I'll do this to get some audience participation, uh, which I do from time to time. This is more... Uh, if there's any DMs listening in out there, uh, or just you want to see a weird list of shit, uh, contact me uh, to the uh, address provided in the closing credits, and I can send you a copy of the junk drawer uh, list and mechanics I made in order to use it. There you go. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Dr. Earl's Podiatry Clinic. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, got some uh, some fun stuff in this one. Uh, first and foremost, yeah, I, I think I could say that. First and foremost, a new podcast I just added to my podcast listening, Rabatoire. Uh Yo, is this racist? question mark uh available for your listening pleasure on the earwolf network as a lot of the podcasts i listen to are uh yeah uh, this has been on my radar for a bit i don't know why i didn't uh, add it until somewhat recently but uh, took the plunge and um, uh, some episodes in and gotta say very much enjoying it uh <laughs> i think one of the just like when i think why do i like it one of the first things that pops in my mind and this is probably a dumb thing um so uh, the hosts, uh, da, 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 Andrew T. and Tani Newsom, Tani Newsom, who I'm sure I've brought up on this podcast before, uh, because she does a, a fair amount of the podcast rounds, including 
She was probably, uh, definitely, probably definitely one of my favorite guests on uh, Spontanea Nation. Uh, she was always great on that. Uh, so uh, they do something where they uh, take uh, questions from the audience, you know, as you do. Uh, people write in. And I, I don't know if it was just on the episodes I listened to or it's a new thing or people have done this the whole time. But uh, when white people send in, which I am one. Uh, when white people send in questions, uh, they will say things like, uh, I am a white, <laughs> which it just makes me giggle for some reason. Uh, yeah, I am a white. So, uh, should I ever write in with my yo is this racist questions, uh, I'll be sure to, uh, conclude the, 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 the email with, uh, by the way, I am a white. Dumb. Uh, not dumb is the amount of knowledge I have uh, plucked from this uh, from this podcast, though. Yeah, um, try. This sounds so dumb for me to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. I try to be woke, <laughs> as the kids say, uh, and, and it is truly uh, as fun uh, as this is as, as as many laughs as I've had uh, listening to this uh, podcast. Truly, truly, there is a so so very much to be plucked from it. Uh, if you are searching for that wokeness, which I, I do feel like an idiot saying, but uh, it is a good thing, I, I think, to try to improve oneself uh, in any way, any number of ways. And I think really deep down, uh, and I don't know why I'm having trouble, because you know what it is, I, I don't sound sincere often. Uh, just period, full stop, in life, or on this podcast, in ever. <laughs> so for me to sound sincere sounds weird in my ear, and that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. But sincerely, uh, you listen to this, and you will learn a lot, and you'll come away a better person. Hey, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen to this, come away a better person. You know what, I, I could have just left it at that, but I didn't, so I won't. Moving on to Funhouse. Yes. Uh, I have to, have to, because every time I mention the good people over at Funhouse mention that of the YouTube channels I subscribe to, it's the only one where I watch basically every single thing they post at all times. Uh, the the movie podcast, I think, is the only one I kind of don't, because uh, they got to put that on, uh, I'd listen to the audio version if they put it on iTunes, but they don't, I don't think. Maybe I should look into that. Mental note. Anyways, they started playing, uh, doing a playthrough of Toe Jim and Earl, which is a game I, I don't know if I had or just rented a bunch. Uh, I feel like I rented a bunch of times, and it was a game that I was always frustrated with not understanding, and I, and my sort of recollection was it was just I was young and, like, dumb and, you know, maybe didn't get the game. Uh, but upon watching them play, this is one of the craziest video games I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it makes very little sense. I don't know what the end goal is, and it's just truly insane. Uh, so combined with the comedy of uh, the Funhouse folk, uh, this is a delightful gameplay, and I hope you go watch it. Uh, and another video game-related uh, internet intercourse is uh, Mario Maker, which is a, a game in which you can, guessed it, you can, you guessed it, make uh, Super Mario levels. Yeah, uh, so you can be like the original makers of the game and make your own levels. That's exciting. Now, people make uh, cool ones. They make fun ones. But uh, for some reason, the ones I like to watch, uh, which people post online, uh, their examples of, are the quote-unquote impossible ones. And the amount of 
dexterity and patience and must be frustration trying to get through these levels is truly awe-inspiring. Uh, there, there's things that these people do to get through these levels that uh, it's got to be like pixel perfect button mashing uh it's just the amount of skill involved if you've ever played a mario game and see some of the things that these people accomplish not only in the making of the levels which is impressive but the actual getting through of them is just mind-boggling so uh, i've been going down a bit of a rabbit hole there so when i you know what basically whenever i go down a rabbit hole i bring it back here because you know share your rabbit holes what the hell? Uh, uh, how did this get made? Did a movie called Deadfall? Yeah, moving on. How did this get? Uh, we're out of time, and I'm I'm way over. This is a very long episode. Just hit 44 minutes, which is insane when it's supposed to be 20 some odd. Uh, how did this get made? Did a, a, a movie called Deadfall, which I'd never heard of, and of the movies they've done on the show, I kind of feel like this is one, definitely in the top five, of ones where they've spoken of, I haven't seen, and now I have to see. So uh, definitely make a note of seeing the movie Deadfall starring Nick Cage, because apparently there's more than one, uh, and then listen to that episode. Uh, last but not least, uh, Johnny Pemberton. Yeah, this is a, we'll, we'll count this as an honorable mention. Uh, for some reason, and I almost, normally this happens when people are plugging things, but uh, I don't really think he's plugging much. Uh, anyways, he's just been on a lot of podcasts that I listen to lately, and uh, he's a goddamn delight. So, I mention it here as a last, but certainly not least, honorable internet intercourse mention. Folks, we did it. A long episode, but we're here. <sighs> it's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper